does it all mean that that sounds like outro music to me not intro music you just put everybody to sleep no i i set their minds uh, at the right frequency for natchcast 47 everybody relax just chill just melt back into that pillow that desk chair that uh soiled cushion in your orgone box mm. Just get into your natural products headspace. That sensory deprivation tank. So you can ideate on the future of food with us. Here. Now. Oh, we're still talking about food? Fingers wet with blood from touching the bleeding edge. Uh, that's, a, that's a t-shirt. Well, maybe more of a bumper sticker. I want to tell you about my plan B. Everyone needs a plan B. Everybody immediately needs to go to Instagram, find the handle Alpine Aqua God. This is it. It's my future. This is how I become an Instagram influencer. By appearing shirtless? Nope. You know that, you know that guy, the uh, uh, ultra romance, the bike guy. The bike guy? I've seen him. He's somehow connected with Tyler. Maybe oh, they know each right, other. Oh, right, right. That guy. Crazy long hair, he's got some tattoos, he's always riding his bike. He's yeah. an influencer. Yes, but he does interesting things. I'm, well, this is my point. I'm going to swim, this, my shtick <laughs> is... once I, a year you... <laughs> no, I swim mountain lakes. That's oh, my okay. adventurous lifestyle. And this oh, is the persona. Yeah, you're getting it now. Okay, so it's still in development. You haven't actually... I'm going to flesh it out, but that's, that's the angle. Nobody's doing that. I'll be the guy that's always in, up in some mountain lake camping by a... You think that's going to be good for your back? Mountain lake. Oh, swimming's great. Even in ice cold water? <laughs> As your muscles constrict? Better than nothing. Don't you think that could work? I'd be an influencer. I'll keep my fingers crossed for you. I'll find Aqua God. I'm the guy that swims mountain lakes. It's not a bad plan B. It's pretty good. I got a plan B too. Do you know about that guy though? The ultra romance guy? Mm -hmm. A little bit. I mean, what Tyler's told me. He's just right. like kind of a mythic... I couldn't figure him out. I'm like, Peter Pan is he real? Dude. Yeah, he doesn't work. He's like a commercial fisherman. Well, how do you define work, Mark? He 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 fishes and like. Oh, that's earns not work. Money. He earns money for fishing's not work. Three or four or five months a year, I think, and then the rest of the time he cycles in picturesque landscapes and travels with friends, and he buries money in little pouches in the ground because <laughs> he has no credit cards. 
He has one bank account so that he can sell his t-shirts on eBay. <laughs> I'm liking this guy more and more. See? Like last year, he slept inside like 15 nights out of the whole year. The rest of it was just... Atta a boy. Look at him. We're so, doing it all wrong. Well, he's got no kids. Or that's that's the secret to have no kids. Well, the secret for him was he's like, I, was, I had to pay bills and deal with paperwork, and it was very stressful. It is stressful. There Just you ask, go. Ask, uh, ask uh, Rob, Walter Rob. It's stressful. Get him in that sweat lodge. He doesn't want those spreadsheets. <laughs> All right, what's your plan B? Either you cannot top Alpine Aqua, Aqua God. No, it's pretty, uh, pretty cliched, but screenwriting. <laughs> I started a screenplay like a couple of years ago. And then got busy and didn't finish it. And then I had jury duty. Uh, remember when I got called in for jury duty last month? Yeah, I loved that story. I haven't even told that story. Oops, it, sorry. No, it's just an exhilarating day in a way because I took my computer and I was sitting there, and you, you know you're just waiting to see if your number gets called. And then the crowd kept thinning and thinning, and then I eventually I wasn't called. Been. You've never gone in for jury duty? Ooh, not here. They give you a number, and you just have to you go sit in this kind of nice room. I thought you called in in the morning. No, you just have to show up. <clears throat> maybe you didn't read the paperwork, right? No, I think maybe you, you an didn't. ultra romance. No, you got to go in and you sit there and then I didn't get called. But I spent that time reading through my old screenplay and I was like, wait, this actually doesn't suck. Why did I stop working on this? <laughs> Imagine that. I wrote this and I liked it. Wouldn't that most, you know, most of the time you write stuff and you're kind of like, oh, I don't that's know. true. That's true. But I was like, wait, this, this is actually pretty good. I can picture what I'm, I'm I can see this. So I pretty much finished it up. I have a few more scenes to write, but my wife's taking a trip to Los Angeles. So after we do this, I'm going to go print a copy, a draft of my screenplay to send with her. She can read it on the airplane with a red pen. We're going to get moving on this shit. Hmm. But I say it's plan B because I was reading a thing Nick Hornby, the novelist, wrote mm. about writing the screenplay for the film An Education, mm. which was based on an essay that he read that he was like, wait, this should be a movie. Hmm. And just the years that went by as it was like in various stages of pre-production. Oh, sure. And his his figure that if you're outside the studio system, you have about a 10% chance of seeing your screenplay actually filmed. Really? That yeah. Seems, that seems high. <laughs> that Ten, no, does. that does seem it high. It does seem pretty high. 10%? No way. I don't know. I would guess one out of a thousand or something. Maybe you would guess wrong. No, I think Nick Hornby's smoking crack. Well, maybe that's his next book. <laughs> yeah, I have no concept of whether or not he's doing that. I do think that... How about we merge our plan B? Yeah, we should do... Somehow both of these should and come you, together. You you, uh, you make a movie out well, of... Well, that's what I'm saying. You, pers you pursue, pursue this lifestyle, make it happen, become an influencer, and then I'll write the Aqua God story. You know? And it could even start with your... I mean, it, oh my God, it can start with Alpine your time Aqua at God. AOL. Alpine Aqua God. This is just more of a touching the bleeding edge, isn't it? Because, oh, see, you're already moving on from podcasts. Oh, no. You already see the next horizon. You're like, oh, wait, influencer. Social media influencer. Social media influencer. 43-year-old That's where I need to be. Kids. Yeah. Hey, but you, you got your physique going for you. Ooh, it's, it's going to get You're better. brazen, right? You don't mind wearing little tiny shorts and shrinkage. You Le don't care about that shit. Learned it from you. Huh? Yeah. The, uh, the teacher be or the master becomes the student. Alpine Aqua God Instagram. You ought to go check out a uh, Ultra Romance too. It's quite of a quite a. I couldn't figure out if that was real. It's it's real what he's doing. All those pictures where he's like, "Oh, I'm an Argentina cycling around." 
Well, like, why how would does you, he do this? Why would you fake being in Argentina? Well, I was like, how does he pull this off? And because he doesn't work, he like works in order to do these trips. He's probably uh, taking uh, airplanes to these locations. I think that's how he's making it happen. He own he never he lives anywhere. From, he has has no address. I think. Wow. He has like fifteen bikes. I don't know. The bikes must live somewhere. We should ask Tyler. That would probably save time. Yeah. Uh, so the, the Neil, the Neil let's year, stay, let's stay on Instagram. Yeah. Let's move on to, uh, the Neil year, 2016. It is the Neil year. It is Neil Gottlieb. This is the year it's going to happen for this founder guy. of, uh, three twins ice cream. Like it hasn't already happened, but I mean, in a, he's a big personality. Well, he's, he's been in a, in a ice cream chrysalis for a while mm-hmm. and now he's emerging as this whole new type of butterfly. An announcement from Neil. Just two days ago on Instagram, I had yet another dream come true this past year, competing on Survivor. Wow. Picture him in the cast here. This Motley Crue is my cast. Believe it or not, I pre-tanned. He's the palest of the bunch. Well, that's what pre-tanning will do for you. Well, I think what he's saying is that he pre-tanned, but he doesn't look like he's tanned at all. I know, but you pre-tan so that you avoid getting like a burn. Right? Well, that's smart, but it doesn't look like he pre-tanned enough. I think is the oh, point. I see. Well, you don't know how pale he is. And... No, he's pale. Uh, the season premieres February 17th on CBS. So will we be watching that? We will be watching. We will. We I might. Would. Yeah. If in the unlikely event that he gets voted off the island, we will probably stop watching it though. That is true. <laughs> if he's an early exit, I am not getting involved in this. Nope. The, the problem with these shows is like, what if he makes it about halfway through, but by then you're in. You're like, oh, what's yeah. going to happen to Joey? Yeah, you're going <sighs> to... Fuck. So, Neil, either get voted off early or just take it all. That's Those are your two options. There you go, Neil. For our it? sake. Then this, and then I'm looking at his Instagram account, and here's... I mean, this is... Look at him. Remember when he went to Lesvos mm-hmm. to help refugees over the new year or Christmas? That's a real man. My favorite jacket for over a decade, taken off my back and given to a Syrian refugee after working an all-night shift in Moria? Refugee camp on Lesbos, Greece, inscribed with, May peace be unto you, inside the collar with a sharpie. Be kind. Take care of one another. Give. And this is is his favorite green jacket. He was always wearing this jacket. Now it's someone else's green jacket. It's this guy's green jacket. Neil. Neil's growing as a person. He's more than just hair. Oh, yeah, Neil is very impressive. More than just a houseboat. Oh, the houseboat. Oh, and did he win best hair? He won best oh, that's hair. That's right, because well, his mom was uh, loading the ballot box, right? <laughs> we think so. This is his way of atoning for uh, an unfair victory in the best hair contest is by helping Syrian refugees. Interesting so Whatever guy. it takes to get people over there helping, it's wonderful. Good for him. Maybe we should have another best hair contest. I, I, he, well, it'd be the same people. You don't think there's Zach's hair hasn't gotten any worse. It's probably only gotten better. It's only gotten better. Neil, well, Neil's getting older. Maybe he's thinning out. I don't know. Dry, dry, you know. (laughs) Too much swimming. Yeah, maybe. Big things for Neil this year. And uh, we're a fan of Neil. We're We're friends of Neil. We would like to get Neil on the show. We've been meaning to do that. I owe him an invitation. But now he's blowing up. Formal invite, I know. He's he's going to be too big. I want to do, what should we do? We, I think, you don't like the idea. I think we should watch the show together. Can we possibly make that happen? Once a week? Get, that would mean we're Until getting together off. twice a week. Yeah. If you bring the kids over. Oof. When's it on? Like seven or eight at night? Seven. Seven to eight. 
Bring the oh, kids yeah, that's, over. That's reading hour. See, that's the problem. It's tough. And neither of us DVRs anything. So I bet we you, do, can, you can probably watch it on CBS's website after it's broadcast. There you go. We watch it together. On Fridays, pre-podcast. Ooh. The and whole we show? Just, yeah. We kind of fast forward through anything that Neil's not in. <laughs> <laughs> or we could do a, a weekly recap with Neil. Call him. Yeah, I'm sure he's got loads of time for a weekly recap oh, with a couple of it. jackweeds. Oh, he'd do it. He'd have fun. But also, he probably can't discuss the show he while can't it's discuss, on the air. Well, he can't discuss what's to come. But he could probably recap what just happened. Yeah, maybe. We could be like, Neil, what's the real story behind why you got flown off the island for diarrhea? I, well, I, mean, I would bet he has to be a little cautious about it. He's probably lactose intolerant. Wouldn't that be ironic for an ice cream man? Sure would. I think by now he'd know. Wait a minute. Yeah. Wait, do, you, do you hear that? I, Neil's, what? Do you hear that? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh God. Oh, oh no. I know what that oh, means. No. Oh, no. Oh, boy. Here it comes. Oh, jeez. It's Greg Zegg. Ack, ack. I love you, Mark. And Josh, and I love this planet. Mark, you asked last week to hear more about smarts in business, so here's a shot at it. We call it the three Q's. First, there's IQ. That's the easy one. It's smarts by the numbers. The bigger, the better, baby, T, he. Then there's EQ. If you've read Daniel Goleman, you guessed emotional intelligence. However, I like to refer to it now as the equanimity quotient. The namaste mofos would define it as, quote, maintaining stability of mind no matter what happens, unquote. Translation, holding your personal mind, body, and speech shit together, aka, please don't be a jagoff when something bad happens. Finally, there's VQ, and that's the virtue quotient. Simply put, do the right thing. Integrity, honor, most morally excellent, and you can't get enough of that. In business, I'm looking for all three. And good news, all humanoids have the goodness inside them. It's OEM. But only a percentage have the ability to get there. I hope you're one of them. Greg Bagney. This guy. I mean, I want to. I told him, he sent that over and I said, Let's, we got to form a band called the Namaste Mofos. Namaste Mofos. That'd be a big band in Boulder. It would be a big band in Boulder. Correct. We're starting to, what I like here is we're starting to get inside his brain. You heard him at the end. He's like, what I'm looking for. Because this is the guy. Yeah. He will make you. If you're looking to make a name for yourself in the natural foods industry. In the, it's bigger than that. Okay. Sorry. It's also bicycles. (laughs) (laughs) Lifestyle. The natural food, natural lifestyle industry. I was going to say Greg can make you or break you, but I don't think Greg's a breaker. He's but not he a breaker. is a maker. He might break it to you that your product blows. So you know what I'm hoping he'll for? he'll do it gently. I want to get a little bit more into that, with in the, for maybe for the third You're saying egg. you want to get into the yolk. I want to get more into the Greg's yolk. <laughs> I want to know, like... I want to swim in Greg's yolk. Maybe something about founders. Like, this is... When I meet people, these are the warning signs. Like, that guy's a nut job, or this guy's got it together. Something like that. I think what I'd rather know about is... Uh, that equipment hanging from his wall when we were at his house, I saw he has like Iyengar ropes and things hanging on his wall. And I forgot to ask him about it. So, so there's actually, there's uh, cannon fodder for two more Greg's eggs. You got whatever Mark wanted to know. And then 
the yoga stuff I asked yeah, about. I was more business lessons, but okay. Hey, thanks, Greg. That was Greg Bagney, White Road Investments, Alien Truth Communications, an alien in his own mind. We love you too, Greg. A Natch Rancher, and we love you too. Keep them coming. Uh, which brings us to Cooking with Ant Powder. This, he's been on the fence with this one with it. every time I talk to him. Oh, never about insects? Happened. Well, insects he, he doesn't happened. think you'll be able to sell it here, as like a, especially as like a flower or... Uh, as an ingredient in, no, I think he thought that was the wrong way. Was trying to infuse it into products. Oh boy, I think his. I, I could be speaking out of. Yeah, go back and listen mind. to. Uh, no, actually, put in earplugs and go back and listen to number thirty-nine. God. Uh, so I was at the Park Hill Public Library and I found this really nice cookbook, Mexico from the Inside Out by Enrique Olvera. Oh, so close to Morgan Olivera. Very close. I don't know if she's still at Hampton Creek. I think she still is. She's a, she's part of it. I think she might be starting her own thing. Like there was a agency she had a name on. I don't know. Anyway. Well, she's listening, no doubt. So just let us know. Yeah. Hi, Morgan. Uh, so yeah, there's this great picture. I think I'll post the picture of the actual dish on the gram. Uh, it's this gourd with roasted baby corn in it and just a bunch of smoke pouring out oh, the top. Oh, that's okay. And the recipe is for baby corn with chikatana ants. Coffee and chili, costeño mayonnaise. The oh, mayonnaise. Fucking mayonnaise, man. Well, bring in the just mayo. Oh, there you go. There's the Morgan connection for you. So I'm just gonna read a little bit about this uh, this dish. You have or have not made this. I have definitely not made this. <laughs> but you want to? No. Okay. This. Uh, I mean, I'd like to. I don't think I have the skill set. Or access, because, I mean, in this, he describes, like, the main ingredient is this certain type of ant. Uh, a flying ant, they, they appear only during the first two June rainfalls in certain regions within Mexico. That's specific. So I don't think I'm going to be able to find the ingredients I need at uh, Rancho Laborio. You could find them at uh, Whole Foods Cherry Creek. But he speaks of visiting a, uh, I think, a coffee plantation. And, and he smells coffee, and he also smells uh, roasted baby corn strongly. And then he smells this other smell that is a little unfamiliar to him. And roasted it's, baby corn. It's these ants. Not roasted corn. Think there's a difference in smell? Tiny little baby corns, like getting Chinese food? Well, I think they have them in other cultures too, Mark. And uh, I think if you were a trained chef, a super scented, or, or endowed with super sensorial capability. Yeah, keep trying, buddy. All right. I'm writing down tiny little baby corns. Um, so, yeah, he, he makes this dish in tribute. and uh, Okay, chop, chop. Where are we? I was going to read his little thing, but it's, it's too long. <laughs> pro move. All right. <laughs> how, about, how about the summary? What is this, a pro move, you asshole? I looked at the thing. I was like, Synopsis. I, I don't want to read this whole thing. Yeah, let me throw this in the dock. And now that we're live recording, nah, it's too long. Dickhead, I just threw the pictures in the dock to be dealt with spontaneously okay. as we arrived upon them. How'd that work? See, this is this is the tension. This is the conflict in Natchcast. It's Mr. By the Schedule and Mr. By the Seat of the Pants. Uh, you know, the magic... Trying to get along. Yeah, the magic just doesn't happen. No. All right, but what's important is that when he arrived on this plantation, there was a shitload of smoke and mist around, right? Mm. So when he wanted to make a dish in tribute yeah, go to that do it visit... This is, oh, this is good. Go, go. You stopped! You son of a bitch. <laughs> so when he wanted to make a dish in tribute hmm. 
to his visit, he decided uh, he'd seen these gourds. And he thought putting this dish, it's like a hot salsa type thing with Mate baby corn, gourd. into a gourd uh, and thus trapping the smoke so that when you open the top of the gourd, the, the smoke would pour out. Oh, it's like a Dutch oven. Be evocative of his, his visit to this plantation. Cool. So it, he tells you how to prepare all these different things. But the uh, Chikatana ant powder, you in a skillet, toast the ants over medium heat for five minutes, let cool, grind. Dude. And then in a bowl, you whisk uh, egg yolk, you uh, add this, add some salt, then you slowly drizzle safflower and grapeseed oils in while whisking constantly. Add the lime juice and continue whisking to, to a smooth emulsion. Mix in the espresso, chicatana ant powder, and chili costeño powder. This. Adjust the salt. This is some Baylish shit. But this is some shit that actually sounds good. This is like an insect dish that I could get behind. Like, I kind of want to eat it now that I'm... Yeah. I'm like, I want to... Grind up a toasted ant. Oh. I want to eat a couple of the whole ants while I'm grinding. You know, just like when you're in the kitchen and toasted. you're, you're yeah. picking at the ingredients as you cook. Chef's choice. Chef's benefit. Chef's yeah. bonus. Chef's bonus. So, so I think, to, to your point about, uh, you know, Bagney's concerns that uh, consuming insects would never take hold here, maybe you just need the right introduction. You need, I mean, because this, this isn't just a, an alluring the dish. Gore. There's a story to this dish. This is way too... This is too much for most people, but I'm with you. I'm no, in. actually, I think most people would eat this because it's like the ants are ground up, but, but it's the smoking gourd. But they're not an ingredient in like a processed energy bar. They're like part of a soulful mm. salsa. A what? A soulful salsa. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Oh, it's like a, a sauce that you pick up on a chip. Oh, a salsa. A salsa. Well. So that's why I put that in there. It ends, fill a smoking gourd with, <laughs> fill a smoking gun. Fill a smoking gun. I think with, that's a kitchen utensil to spray smoke. Oh. I guess. That, that was my guess. Fill a smoking gun with corn husks, smoke the inside of the gourd and cover it. Jeez. That's what I mean. Take that up to Boulder. This isn't, this is smoke like a presentation. Anything. I think you can take it anywhere in Colorado and they'll smoke it, Mark. There you go. All right. News of the week, four stories. Story one, you totally crisped that shit. Or are you going to crisp that? This came to us from Greg Bagney. From, oh, it's a big, big episode for bags. Crisper breaks out of the lab. Ben Zimmer, WSJ. That's a Wall Street Journal. Read the quote. Wait a minute. Crisper. <laughs> that never gets old. It's safe to say that CRISPR would not be grabbing the headlines if it were known by its full name. Clustered, regularly interspaced, short palindromic repeats. The acronym, the acronym emerged out of email exchanges in 2001 between two microbiologists, Francisco Mojica of the University of Alicante in Spain and Ruud Janssen, then at Utrecht University in the Netherlands. Look at you. You just went from those two names and the accents required. You got okay, it. I'm getting better at this, I tell you what. CRISPR was created to simplify a welter of acronyms that had been proposed by geneticists to label a family of repetitive DNA sequences at the heart of the new biotechnology. That's breezy. In one early email, Dr. Janssen complimented Dr. Mojica mm -hmm. on the, quote, snappy coinage. The other two alternatives are SRSR, Sursur, and Spider, S-P-I-D-R, were deemed less crispy. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. It's all in a name. Marketing. 
This makes me wonder, too, if Pete Holmes knows about CRISPR, because he likes to end each of his podcasts with Keep It Crispy. Mm, I'm going to guess no. Oh, you don't think, uh, you think this is outside of his radar? But I think he'd be fascinated and curious about it. Maybe he would. Maybe we should do something with that. So the exciting thing about this article, uh, well, it speaks to a few things. What you got in here is like uh, kind of the Google phenomenon where a a nonsense sounding word becomes the name of a company and then eventually becomes a verb. Like Xerox. We're going to Google that shit. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why you got to pick the right word. You do. And CRISPR... They did, they sort of, they, uh, uh, tase, they came, lays. Lays and tase. I don't, I've never heard the word lays. Laser? Yeah. Lays? Dude, go get your eyes lazed, brah. Your vision's a little foggy, man. Just get your eyes Uh, lazed. Not even, that's not common parlance. Well, maybe not in your, uh. And they wanted to say crispering. Maybe not in your, at your prim dinner parties. People are slumming it by saying lays. They say lasered. Yeah. Get your eyes lasered. I say, if you had laser surgery on your uh, eyes, get lasered. They could rid you of your need for bifocals. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh, I think you got to go with crisp, though. They were they were debating between crisp, crisper it. Yeah, like or no, crisp like it. you crispered that, or are you crispering that? Like no, crisp it, crisp, yeah, crisp. Just crisp is the verb. Totally. They're getting crisp all over that shit, homie. The good news is that the crisp is one of those words like moist that a lot of people already don't like. Or maybe that's the bad news. Mm, I feel like it's a, it's a, uh, it's not. I, th- I feel like what people don't like about crisp is that it's sort of an onomatopoeia in a, in a way. Like it's like the, people the sound of enough. the word crisp reminds you of the like feeling of breaking into something crisp. It's, I don't think it's used. So I think it's too much for people. Same with moist. When you say moist, you can feel the moisture. Moist. So by detaching crisp from the notion of like a crisp chip and just attaching it to, hmm. you know, DNA restructuring. Or maybe we need to get editing. global here. Are crisps f- fries? They are. Stateside? I believe so. <laughs> uh, we, this also begs the question, at, at what point in the near future will, will people be natching things? Yeah! What does it mean to natch it? Natch it! Does it mean to achieve... Uh, like penultimate balance between uh, seriousness and silliness. What does it mean to natch it? All right. You're writing that down, huh? Yeah, yeah. Making a note. Kepler's One Big Logic, Story 2, A Personalized Diet Better Suited to You by Kate Murphy. New York Times. Yeah. Who sent me this one? Somebody said, oh, uh, 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 Polito, NBJ. Fascinating. You want me to read Business Journal? He sent me the story, said it's right up your alley, and he was right. He was right. By combining data gleaned from subjects' glucose responses with information about their gut bacteria, medications, family histories, and lifestyles, the scientists, I believe they're Spanish, devised an algorithm that accurately predicted blood sugar responses to foods the participants hadn't yet eaten in the study. You're just kind of dropping us in blind with this quote here. (laughs) Just keep going. Further, with the algorithm the scientists were able to predict or prescribe personalized diets to a group of 100 pre-diabetic patients that significantly moderated their blood sugar following meals and boosted levels of good bacteria in okay, their guts. here it comes. Yeah, this is the part that's part. Quote, the algorithm is similar to what Amazon uses to sell you which books you want to read. To said, tell you which books you want to read. Jeez. To tell you which books you want to read. Well, they're also selling, let's be honest. Said Iran Seagal, 
a computer mm. scientist at the Wiseman Institute and co-author of the study. We just do it with food. I mean, this is what we've been saying all along. This is Stardust and Snowflake proven with scientific theory. Am I wrong? <laughs> You're right. This is the Tyson diet in the purest form because mm. it just belongs to Tyson. Mm. The Tyson diet in this scenario is perfectly tailored to meet my genetic makeup and my lifestyle. Mm. I always think of the Tyson diet as being more just like, you know. Fast and loose. Yeah. (laughs) Don't lock in on one thing. Expose yourself to some toxins. (laughs) Right. But the point is that that seems to be working for for me. Well, this is just proving that with science. My Tyson diet. Let's bring in that cue real quick. It's the Tyson diet. It's pretty. Uh, The Tyson diet is uh, just like an expression. It's it's just my will. I just want to share my my art of consumption. But it's It's not a prescription. It's an art, yeah, as opposed to a science. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what these people are doing, you know, they're they're using genetic information. You can figure out who you are, all your little codes there, bake in a bunch of other data about how, how you lived, your exposure to air pollutants, all this sort of stuff, and decide, here we go, let me find it for you. <clears throat> they, uh, studies have linked at least 38 genes to nutrient metabolism. Depending on your genetic makeup, studies suggest you might want to consume more or less folate, choline, vitamin C, fatty acids, starches, and caffeine. So, boom, dietary guidelines come out. This is what the Americans should eat. Who gives a fuck? Yeah. Because that American has nothing to do with that American. It does. And I am pointing at Americans. It just proves you can't take an umbrella approach with uh, dietary concerns. That's why nutrition research is so hard. That's why we can't stem obesity, thinking there's some magic solution. Everybody's different. Starting to figure it out. It's just daunting to imagine. That's why I call it Kepler's one big logic. Kepler. Remember Kepler? Mm -hmm. Well, think about about all the variety. uh, What? You blown by that? He's an an astrophysicist, right? That's why I'm getting to the stardust here. Am I wrong? He's an astrophysicist? Kepler? I thought he was like a astronomer. Well, that's true. Maybe not astrophysicist. He might have been pre-astrophysicist. Yeah, because he If was. he were alive today, he would be called an astrophysicist. Yeah, 1500s. Well, 1600. Yeah, astrophysicist. He saw. He discovered the first super, supernova in the sky with his naked eye. Can you believe that? Anyway, he was of a school of thought, and he sort of was searching for... One system of logic to make sense of everything in the world. Couldn't find it. Of course not. But it's that's still what we try to do, I think, with a lot of conventional science, etc. It's not your shithorns in the ground. <laughs> well, it's just, I think it's more comforting to people to think that there's just like a, a solution they can it's, plug in and it'll fix. And it turns out maybe there is, but it's, really daunting. it's a reflection of yourself. It requires... It's Tyson diet or shithorn, whatever you want to pick, versus like supplement... Personalized nutrition, paleo, paleo. What? It's just that's just another umbrella approach. Like eat this, and you'll feel good, and you'll be healthy. Okay, okay. And and my point that I've made on the show is like there are probably types of people that paleo does wonderful things for, and that's great for them. But it doesn't mean that like it's going to work for everyone. Yeah. Current guidelines advise no more than four or five cups of coffee per day. That's fine for roughly half the population that are fast metabolizers. Mm -hmm. Says one of these researchers. For the other half who have a variant of the CYP1A2 gene, any more than two cups per day will increase the risk of a heart attack and hypertension. 
So glad you read that quote because I was looking at it too. That's a good one. <laughs> it's all something as simple as coffee. Yeah, I feel like some of the stuff you know, it so some of the stuff. I wonder. I mean, it would be interesting to get tested and, and find out, see if there were a lot of surprises or if a lot of it was like, oh yeah, I kind of had a, I kind of figured that was true about I myself. I think you're gonna like this. But they're gonna. I think our kids, kids, mm-hmm. assuming they want them and have them, and there's a world to put them. Yeah, in. Yeah, <laughs> that's the biggest assumption. They are gonna stick their heel at birth, sequence their genome. Yep, you're gonna know it all. Mm-hmm. And it won't, and people won't get all freaked out about it, but they'll say like, okay, you have a predisposition for yeah diabetes or something. You yeah. need to avoid this, this, and this. Yeah. And then their, their representative at Soylent will, yep. will whip up the justice pancake Ooh. Uh, varietal of Soylent that's just for them. Oh yeah, justice pancake. And as long as they're drinking that and sticking to it. Once a day. They're going to be uber healthy. And then you know what they're going to be doing? They're going to be swallowing computer chips, Mark, because, uh. The future will eat itself, right? The swallowed self. The future will eat itself, digesting the next generation of wearable tech by Shivy Jervis. Good old <laughs> Shivy. That's a great name. It is. Guardian. This article was rather turgid, but... Yeah, it was, but, but uh, what's exciting about it is... Uh, well, first, let's, let's start with a, one of the quotes from the opening of the article that... Uh, hey, you're just all hot to read these quotes. All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm liking these quotes. Off. Well, I'm this one, off. Hey, this one feeds right into my ongoing uh, theory about the screenless future, mm. the uh, inevitable screenless future. Mm. Uh, the aim of wearables should be to operate silently but powerfully in the background, blurring the interface between ourselves and the device. This is true. If you look at an Apple Watch, that's kind of what it's supposed to do. It's mm. like a it's like a bridge. It, it lets you interact with your phone a little bit less. How are those doing? Uh, Tim Cook is sitting on all the numbers, so they don't know how many have been Ooh. sold. So there's. I was just reading an article about it. There's been a lot of conjecture, since no one knows for sure. Estimates range from I think like 1.5 million sold to like maybe 15 million. <laughs> okay. It's like this wild. But yeah, no one really has any idea. Hmm. Uh, I think that product was hamstrung a bit from the start because you have to have an iPhone in order to use one. So it's not like people without iPhones you are going to rush out in. and buy one. Yeah, Leapfrog. You got to be able to leapfrog. Yep. And it's it's kind of a, one of those products that's more for Apple diehard fans. And yeah. It became sort of a status. I mean, I don't... You, I remember I'd watch Charlie Rose for a while. Mm-hmm. Certain people would clearly have like bought one and wear it and have their shirt sleeve rolled up so you could see it during the interview, including Charlie. Oh I'm God. like, come on, guys. Yeah. Take your Apple Watch, shove it up your ass before the interview. Yeah, I mean, those things are silly. I don't know. I don't know why you would do that. I just got mad and said it. But I mean, there are like certain kind of cutesy sort of useless things that they can do. Like if, if, if you had an Iwa, uh, Apple Watch and I had an Apple Watch. <laughs> what could we do? I could send Emoji you, each other? No, even better. You want to know what I could do? Say I'm sitting in the bathtub, oh. <laughs> just soaking and thinking about you. I could send you my heartbeat, my relaxed heartbeat. I could I could tap an app and say, would send Mark my heartbeat right now? And then <laughs> there's a taptic engine in the back of the phone that like can put do a little pulse against your wrist. So all of a sudden, you'd, you'd feel my relaxed heartbeat. <laughs> oh, my God. And you'd know by the time signature, you'd wow. say, oh, Josh is in the bath again. <clears throat> you, yeah, you'd be all He's over He's probably that. got some aromatherapy going. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, no. So that, you know, there's, there's weird little potentials built into it. Too bad. Uh, kind of poetic uses for the technology that, uh, 
are kind of interesting. But. No, I do like that more than most. I don't want to get my texts and all that. Ingestibles take the shape of a digital pill coated in digestible metals such as copper and magnesium. Yeah. Embedded in a regular tablet, it dissolves in your stomach acid, releasing a signal to an adhesive patch on your body, which in turn communicates with an app on your smartphone, relaying the info via Bluetooth. It's pretty exciting. You know, little sensors floating through your guts. This is the the Internet of Things gone internal here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this article describes some other products. There's like a certain company patenting like a pill that you can swallow that's full of little tiny cameras. Mm-hmm. Sure. So it can move through your GI tract and, and then, I mean, I was kind of looking forward to getting the camera up my ass, nudging my prostate, but looks like that, uh, that thrill ride might be avoided. I might just be able to swallow a pill instead. Is that true? Cause that's, it's pretty common male banter, like. In the mainstream, maybe uh-huh. not your crowd, but of a certain age, when you get to be like, "Oh, where do you get that done?" Oh, that's a nightmare. Where do you get that done? And they poke the finger. <laughs> yeah, they poke a finger at you, and then Josh is saying, "I'm wondering, would you just sort of blend in then, and would you go, eh, bring it on?" I'd say, "Eh." You know, I was at a. I've told you about House of Genius, right? Oh yeah. Uh, it's like a. I think it's a national, maybe even international thing at this point, but it's uh, kind of a, it's designed to give entrepreneurs feedback. Like, Does this have something to do with proctology? It does, actually. Oh, boy. So I was on a House of Genius panel. Just bracing myself. And basically the panel, I think there was like Just clenching. 15 of us. Just clenching. And then we sit there and then three entrepreneurs get up and they talk about like what they're doing, what they're working on, what they've done so far and where they'd like to go. And then you give them feedback. And one of them was like a... Uh, it was like, I think it was a bike ride designed to raise money and awareness for the need to get prostate exams. Hmm. And I'll tell you what, I was all over that shit. In fact, I think... I Why? Think, I mean, that's great. I think it's I hilarious. It. That's great. Oh, I see. I have oh. lots of good ideas for that, like uh, foam hands with just the finger <laughs> waving, you know? Something like that, like product and branding stuff and like uh, just well, using the good. finger as an icon well, all the time. What if the finger was dirty? No, you don't want it dirty. <laughs> okay, it's yeah. gloved. <laughs> gloved. But I mean, you, I think you can just think of that uh, process. It's just like pooping in reverse. Oh, yeah. Doesn't it, do you enjoy sitting down and, you know, having a movement? I think it feels kind of nice. Depends. On what? Whether or not you just been to Mexico. Ooh, yeah. If they're hot and juicy. <laughs> oh, God. They're not quite as fun, are they? <laughs> you, just, you just lost 50% of the listeners right there. All five of them? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I meant 500 of them. Baywatch and the one crew. Wait, where are we done with this? No, nope. you just don't want to no, hear about we're not buttholes done. anymore. We're not done. <laughs> we're not done with it. Sorry. Uh, no, I think we're done. Yep. Baywatch and the one cruel tradition theory. This is a very cerebral it episode. Is. Um, Kepler, uh, Pamela, but, but Pamela Anderson lends star power to fight against foie gras. In France, Eleanor Beardsley, NPR, quote. So wait a minute, you don't think uh, Pamela Am- Anderson can be cerebral? Uh, she's getting there. She's been there a while, man. She's been doing animal rights activism for a really long time. No, I know that. She was, but she as was a good sex buddies with symbol, Sam Simon. As a sex symbol, Bridget Bardot figure. Mm. I'm not sure she's into Kepler's One Big Logic. Maybe she is, I don't know. You just like to jump to conclusions about people, don't you? 
just trying to get through life. In many national cultures, there seems to be at least, this is her. In many, oh yeah, look at that. In many national cultures, there seems to be at least one cruel tradition that stands out as identifying that culture. Be it the bullfight in Spain, eating dogs in Korea, the slaughter of dolphins, dolphins and whales by Japan, or the bloody and obscene massacre of seals in my own native Canada. I don't know. Sounds kind of cerebral to me. And in France, it's the making of foie gras. She des- Anderson describes how 80 million ducks and geese live out their final weeks in caged anguish as they are force-fed to fatten their livers through metal tubes shoved down their throats. Not unlike the proctology exam you are so looking forward to. Well, it doesn't go down your throat, though. She said the. She said the. You might feel. She said the animals lead lives of misery and suffering for a non-essential luxury food. Anderson called foie gras a product unworthy of a civilized society. Boom. There you and go. And then she dropped the mic. She did. And France said, "We like our foie gras." Yeah, I mean, and she's got uh, a member of what do they have there? Parliament? What the fuck? <clears> is it? Yeah, the uh, Parliament Assembly. Mm-hmm who Council? is on board, is, is drafting a bill, and she fully realizes it has no chance of passing, but it's to get the conversation started about this. Good for her. Yeah. I've this, had, I've this, had, how much foie gras have you eaten in your life? I think once. Only once? Yeah. Huh. I mean, yeah. it's pretty tasty. It yeah. kind of tastes like whipped butter or something. Yeah, it's not, it's not, I don't think it's anywhere near worth. I'd like, this is a non, it's like, yeah, just fix this. But people are holding on to this one tight. They don't are. tell me, no food police, don't tell me what to eat, or what I can't eat. Don't tell me not to shove this metal tube down a poor little animal. Yeah. Cause I, and let me shove it up my butt if I want to. Might feel good. I think, see, I don't, I didn't really want to leap back to this, but I think part of the reason... Yeah, you did. That men are so uptight about... Uh, I want to get your little taptic heart rate when you're getting your proctology. <laughs> oh, it's going to be up there, man. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. No, but I think part of the reason a lot of men are kind of like, ooh, about it is because it's like they're just afraid to have something in their butt. Yeah, You're right. I think that stigma is starting to fade. Oh, totally. Are Thanks you... to the porn industry. No, well, that and other... I mean, I think a lot of men for a long time, you know, there's, there was a stigma around being gay, being effeminate. And, you know, it was sort of your duty to be up in arms about having something put in your ass. Not in my ass. But you yeah, know what? You. you. Culture critic. But I think their greatest fear is that they might kind of like it. Yeah, deep down. Because I've, I've heard, this Isn't is that hearsay. The, the that, root that, of all homophobia? Well, that sometimes if you're getting that exam and the doctor, like, brushes against your oh, prostate. Oh, no, here we go. There's a chance that oh, you might. Oh, no. There's a chance that you might ejaculate. <laughs> oh, no. I've this heard that. This has got to be. You've heard that. I have heard that. <laughs> From who? Hairdressers. <laughs> Not, Not my wife, sounds, but uh, a hairdresser this, in Chicago. Oh my God, this sounds suspiciously like your massage story. No, <laughs> it's no story. It's it's conjecture. But I look, I'm just saying, I think. Oh, you're going to go in for your exam and be like, hey, I, I was promised an ejaculation. What happened? No, but I think, I think there's a chance that when you go in for yours, you might be like, ooh. Hey, that felt kind of good. Yeah, but I don't think I'm going to ejaculate. No, probably not. That sounds... I, I could Google that and probably find it, evidence of it happening, and, but I don't want to do that. Well, I mean, that's... I don't think you should. Let's I think, you should, I think a, you should wait and enjoy the surprise. Let's, let's leave that but I don't think old, you should. Uh, I don't think you should... It should be an affront on your masculinity. Houseman's tale. If you, you know... No, if I'm with you. you. Peak, if you peek while a doctor's gloved fingers in your... And actually, you told peak. us a story once... 
back who back are at, you back in the dining out days about having to get a a colorectal impromptu colorectal exam on me the, on the fly at an unfamiliar hospital i did oh yeah that was that was where the whole thing about brush style came from <laughs> I don't, one i don't know what that is two i don't so remember you blocked it out you poor soul brush style i don't i got a impromptu colorectal exam I, it was like some story about something happened. It sounds and like were, I remember that. Where you were in a foreign country, maybe, and for some reason they needed to do that real quick, and you were just like <laughs> lying on a cold steel table. This is not. This never happened. I don't. Wow, you might need to go see, get some therapy, untangle because I think it's in there somewhere. I got sick in Nepal, mm, but wow. I was up. I was up climbing a mountain. So did a Sherpa give you? <laughs> I guess maybe a Sherpa, <laughs> a quickie. They're, they're trained. They are. <laughs> are you well, throwing up? Are you an American? Okay, put put your pants down. Hold on. <laughs> Here, let me lard my finger up with yak fat. No, get right in there. Does it? Why? I think I just ate something bad. No, no, no. Hold on. Here comes the uh, the bulletproof rectal exam. Yep. You what? All right. Well, now now that there's only probably no one listening, uh, I think we're done. No, no, no. I wanted to bring this up. The Chicago ban on foie gras. Mm. Did you see, I added this in. Yeah, because after I'd stopped looking at the oh. document, bring it home. Well, so I remember this happening when I was living in Chicago. I think I was still working as a valet at this time. Uh, so on April 26, 2006, the Chicago City Council voted to ban the sale of mm-hmm. foie gras. I remember this. Yeah, breaches of the ban were to be punished with fines of 250 to $500. Hmm. Several Chicago chefs filed suits and deliberately violated the law by continuing to sell foie gras. Furthermore... A handful of chefs served foie gras without charge, which they considered not to be against the law, which it was a tactic that I remember being taken at one of the restaurants where I was oh, really? a valet, and I was pretty friendly with the chef. And Oh, wow. I didn't yeah. know about that tactic. I know yeah, this they also... Just, they were just giving it away as like a free side. They also This also spurred more effort to sort of develop a humane version where you didn't have to force feed. Yep. And, all, and like faux versions of it. Yep, I thought I'd included that in here. Yeah, I deleted that. You deleted it out of here. It was a huge quote. Well, there was a funny quote, too, from Charlie Trotter, who was saying that he did think that the it was cruel and unnecessary. Yeah. But then he went on to emphatically say that this does not mean I'm aligned with animal rights activists. What? I think they're idiots. Yeah, oh. th- thanks for clipping that out, you jackass. <laughs> well, it reminds me of these French people at the end of the Pamela Anderson article. Uh, Garance Journaux and Marie Dupont are enjoying a meal together. This is as Pam mm-hmm. is, you know, holding up pictures of horror. Uh, the young women say, even though they're against what they've heard is a cruel practice, they're not going to give up foie gras. It's too much a part of French culinary tradition, says Journo. When we eat it, we don't even ask ourselves the question. Yeah. Yeah, well, good luck with that. You're going to be asking the question. Well, dude, this is what's happening all over the world right now. This is... Because we're finding out that, like, you know... We're pulling back the curtain. Baked-in tradition... Be it culinary or religious or UX or proctology, whatever, whatever else, you it's damn hard to change people's minds about cultural traditions. Yeah, hundred years from now, we're going to expose the harassment of Josh Tyson and his taptic phone soaking in an Epsom salt bath. Just <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't turn them off. These little heartbeat things I get. I keep getting Josh's heartbeat, and it's going really fast right now, which makes me <laughs> think he's probably at the proctologist again. Peaking. Get a grip, man. Peaking. Oh, my God. Uh, so in December 2006, Chicago Mayor Richard Daly, Richard M. Daly, that's the junior, referred to the ban as, quote, the silliest law the council has ever passed. 
In response uh, to his objections on the foie gras ban, the city council overwhelmingly repealed the ban on May 14th, Yeah, this is, it's, it's interesting. This thing sort of ping-pongs, right? Like, oh, it's such a big deal and it's bad. And then people go, eh. Like, what is this shit? It's, it's, it's odd. I guess it's a long, I don't know why this is such a fight. Do that many people eat foie gras, at least in this country, and love it? Uh, Have they not seen the epic duck fat lard mason jar? That they can buy to pursue perseverance or whatever it was. What was the tagline on that one? Do you know uh, what I'm talking uh, about at all? Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I don't remember the tagline though. But good. I mean the the for the prevailing. Ah, well, I mean foie gras is a little different than that. You, no, I know, but it's like a pate, right? Made yeah. of liver. Oh, I just don't like pate. That's of my the problem. fattened liver. I'm not a pate guy. Period. Oof. The Oof. texture's a bit off. I did find. There we go. It'll make. It's kind of like uh, too silky. We've been Makes searching. You, hits your gag reflex a little bit. That's right. And we've been searching for something in the brush household that I wouldn't eat because the kids, you know, they're more or less more or less finicky at different time. Like, there's nothing I wouldn't eat. You have to try everything except pate. Huh? And I finally found one. See, pate hits your gag reflex. But I would eat it if I had to. The way that the doctor's finger hits the other reflex. So you got pate going in one end. The way that Natch cast. And a glove finger going in the other, and then in your ear holes you have Natchcast doing the same thing. It's making you gag and making you peek at the same time. It is snowflake, it is stardust, it is everything, it is nothing. It is you, it is me, it is forever. It is not monetizing. It is failing to monetize, and but we don't give mailing a Mailing to phonetize. Fucking shit. Thanks for listening, everybody. Damn. We'll bring it back in a week with episode 48. Yep.